Hello, Shepherd Church. Let's everybody give two thumbs up if you were blessed by our worship team. They are the best, and uh, we thank them for leading us in worship. But most importantly, I hope that the Lord was blessed by our worship this weekend. Amen? I know you know, but we are grateful for all of our healthcare workers. Can you say amen to that? I want to encourage you to keep them in your prayers each and every day. As you know, this is Memorial Day weekend, and we certainly are indebted to those who served in our military and who paid the ultimate price. And I want to encourage you that anytime you know of anyone or meet someone who serves in our military, to give them the honor uh, that is due to them. But we certainly want to thank all of our men and women serving in the military and those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. And uh, we are grateful uh, for that. Now, I know that our country currently, you know this, we're facing uh, a serious life-threatening situation for many people, especially the elderly because of COVID-19. But they say that laughter is medicine for the soul. And some of you have found and posted some humorous memes. And I just wanna show you some that you all have posted. This is one that I actually posted this one uh, as well when I saw it. It says that we're to love like Jesus, oh, love like Jesus, but we need to wash our hands like Pontius Pilate. That, that is a good one. The next one says, on day 47, stay at home. The dog is looking at me like, this is the dog talking. See, this is why I chew the furniture. And I don't know if you're thinking about chewing the furniture, but I, I've thought about it a couple times. This is a prayer, sweet baby Jesus. Please don't make Brussels sprouts the cure for coronavirus. I like that one. And then my wife sent this one to me uh, yesterday. These are two kids saying, Mom, we need haircuts. And he says, I'm dad. We, we all need haircuts except me. I'm, I'm good. And this one here, oh, I wish this was true. I, it says, I wish corona uh, could have started in Las Vegas because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Amen, amen. I'm thankful that we can still find a few things to make us laugh from time to time. Today is our fifth message in the series, The Sands of Time, and next week we will conclude this series with uh, a message and a story that's probably the most amazing story yet. So I hope you're here next week weekend with us. But it was Winston Churchill who is most often quoted from a 1948 speech to the House of Commons when he said these words, those who fail to learn from history are condemned uh, to repeat it. And it's why we've done this series. We're looking back at historical events. You know, this is the year 2020. It goes with our theme, Decade of Destiny. And as you look back, uh, looking back is 2020 vision, if you can look back. And so we're looking at history, learning both the good and the bad, so that we don't make the same mistakes. And as we move forward to the next decade and beyond, with the goal of being wiser and the goal of being godlier. Our history lesson today is the story of Pearl Harbor. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
It's a hard book to find, but you can do it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Pearl Harbor is a United States naval base in Honolulu, Hawaii. It is 2,000 miles from the United States mainland, and it's 4,000 miles from Japan. On December the 7th, 1941, just before 8 o'clock a.m., Sunday morning, there were hundreds of Japanese fighter planes that descended on the base that housed 20 American naval vessels, eight battleships, most of them were on what's called Battleship Row, and some 300 United States airplanes were there. And uh, there were a number of events that led up to this point. The Japanese believed that if they could destroy our Pacific fleet, that somehow it would enable them to take control over the South Pacific. So on a Sunday morning, while most people were sleeping or just waking up, getting ready for church, Japanese planes rained down bullets and bombs within the harbor and battleship row. At 8.10 a.m., an 1,800-pound bomb smashed through the deck of the USS Arizona and landed in her forward ammunitions department, and the ship literally exploded and sank with more than 1,000 men trapped inside. Next, torpedoes pierced the shell of the battleship USS Oklahoma that had 400 sailors aboard. And in two hours, the surprise attack was over. Every battleship had sustained significant damage or been destroyed. And more than 2,400 Americans died in that attack with another 1,000 wounded. The next day, President Franklin D. Roosevelt asked Congress to declare war on Japan and declared that that day, December 7, 1941, would be a day which would live in infamy. On December 8th, the next day, Congress approved Roosevelt's uh, declaration of war on Japan, and within three days, Japan's allies, Germany and Italy, declared war against the United States. Japan bombed the United States and British bases in the Philippines, in Guam, in Midway Island, in Hong Kong. And for, so for the second time, Congress reciprocated and declared war on the European powers. More than two years after the start of World War II, the United States was finally entered into that global conflict. Now, if you ever have a chance to visit Honolulu, it's a beautiful place. I hope you'll take the time to tour uh, Pearl Harbor. I, I would encourage you to take that tour. I personally have done so several years ago uh, to take the tour and to visit Pearl Harbor. It is a very, very sobering story to learn the details and to realize uh, the death and devastation that took place and eventually the United States dropped the atomic bomb on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and thus ending Japan's aggression in the world. 
And even though I wish that everything that I had just explained uh, to you, I wish that none of it had ever happened, I am thankful that today that our two nations, the United States and Japan, are at peace and that we're actually allies together in, in the world arena. Now, when visiting Pearl Harbor, if you ever go to Honolulu, if you ever take that tour, you end up in a souvenir shop. And when you walk through the souvenir shop, uh, there's, there are bookshelves that are littered with, with books. There's a countless number of books that tell the story of what happened at Pearl Harbor. And when I was there, I asked the, the tour guide who was, who was our host, uh, hosting us, I asked the tour guide, of all these books, which book, if I only buy one, which book is the best book that truly tells me what took place here many years ago? He quickly handed me this book right here. It's a book entitled, At Dawn We Slept. At Dawn We Slept. It's a big book. But if you read this book, you come away learning that Pearl Harbor was indeed a surprise attack. Japan maintained radio silence for the 3,500 mile track with their carriers. And when they launched their planes off those carriers several hundred miles from Oahu at six o'clock a.m., the Japanese spotted uh, land around 7.30 a.m. And when their bombs were released, uh, there was a captain, Mitsua Fuchida, broke radio silence and said the words, Torah, 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 which means tiger, 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 which was a coded message informing the Jap Japanese fleet that they had caught the Americans by surprise. We also know that there was an American officer who had heard of a report but discounted it from an Oahu radio or radar operator that had found there was a large number of planes were headed their direction, but he didn't do anything about it. The U.S. radar picked up uh, they thought, they believed over 50 airplanes that were approaching uh, Honolulu from the north, but they failed to take reasonable precautions because they were convinced that Pearl Harbor was safe. And so the bombs fell. And the United States, we were sleeping literally and figuratively. And with that story as the background, I want to talk to you today about surprises. I want you to just everybody say the word surprise. Come on, say it one more time. Everybody say surprise, surprise. Whenever I read my Bible, there are many things in there that are surprising, many things. For example, in Genesis chapter 21, when Abraham and Sarah had a baby and Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90, that is very, very surprising to me. I, I think it's surprising to you. In Numbers chapter 22, uh, there's a donkey that starts to talk. That's in Numbers chapter 22. That is very surprising to hear a donkey talking. Joshua chapter 10 is the story of where the sun stood still. That's extremely surprising. And in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, 
The Bible mentions that the earth was round thousands of years before anyone recognized that that is a true fact. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 27, I'm surprised when I hear and read that a man named Methuselah, which is the oldest man that we have record who ever lived, the Bible says he lived to be 969 years of age. That, that, that hurts my back just thinking about how old that is. We don't know how he died. Some people think he was blowing out the candles and started hyperventilating. We don't, we don't know. But these are just a few of the things, of, of the many things that I find surprising in the Word of God. I want to give you four things, a list of four things if you're taking notes, four more things that surprise me, and I want you as I go through this list to see if they surprise you as well, okay? Are you with me? Number one, the first thing I'm surprised by is the fact that God came into this world in the form of a baby, that's a little surprising to everyone, I, I think. Of course, Israel is looking for a promised Messiah, one who will deliver them from Rome's occupation. He, the Messiah, when he comes, he is supposed to be the ruler of all rulers. Israel is looking for a king. They're looking for a deliverer and surprise. Here is a cute little chubby face baby, a crying diaper-messing newborn, a tiny, fragile infant. And I think when I hear that, I go, God, are you serious? You're going to come into the earth in the form of a baby? Are you, are you kidding me? So that's surprise number one. Surprise number two, I'm surprised who God chose to start the New Testament church. The New Testament church, when it was started, it was started by a group of disciples. They really were a group of misfits. You can read all about how the church began in the book of Acts, specifically in Acts chapter 2, and you'll discover that when God began his kingdom here on earth, that he, it was led by a group of fishermen, some, some Galileans. These were folks that were uneducated uh, for their day and for ours. They were, if you will, a bunch of country bumpkins. There was a foul-mouthed fisherman by the name of Peter. There was a hot-tempered man by the name of John. And there was a dishonest, greedy, snake-like guy named Judas. And these are the ones that Jesus handed the keys of the kingdom to and said, fellas, I'm going to put you in charge of the New Testament church and expanding the kingdom of God around the world. I said, God, are you serious? Is this like an April Fool's joke? I'm surprised whom God chose to begin the New Testament church. Number three, hope you're writing this down. I am surprised by the unbelievable fact that God loves me, that God loves sinners. And that he, God, this is surprising to me. I mean, I can't believe it, that, that God was willing, not just willing that he did, he was willing to give up his one and only son for people like you and for people like me. How many times have you felt God? How many times have we felt God? How many times have we fallen? How many times have we sinned? How many times have we done just the opposite of what God wants us to do, and yet God loves me anyway. God loves you anyways. 
I, I don't know. I don't know if we will ever be able to fully understand how much God loves us. And all I'm saying is this, I am surprised. I'm just surprised that God would allow Jesus, his one and only son, to suffer to the degree of which he suffered for the likes of you and me. Oh, it really is, it is amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I see, was blind, but now I see. I'm saying, Jesus, uh, that, that, that God surprised us by coming into the world as an infant, I'm saying that he surprised us by choosing the lowly fisherman. I'm saying I'm surprised the fact that he loves us so to such degree. But number four, one day, everybody say one day. Say one day one more time. One day, write this down. One day we're all going to be surprised at the return of Jesus Christ. Just like they were caught off guard on the morning of December 7th, 1941 at Pearl Harbor, so too you and I and the entire world, we will all one day be surprised when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. I want to read this to you. I'll put the verses on the screen, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I, I want to read a couple of these verses. It says, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, the Bible says destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. And verse 4 says, but you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. It shouldn't surprise you. John Piper, many of you know him, He's written a, a, a new book, one of his recent books, and you know what it's called? It's called The Coronavirus and Christ. That's the name of the book. And he writes in that book that through this coronavirus that Jesus is saying to us that this world, this world that you are living in will not last forever. You need to think about that world, that in the coming days, in the future, that one day we're going to be passing from this life into the next, and we need to be prepared for that day. And he says we need to wake up. Now, we don't know what day the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. I want to say that to you again. We do not know the date when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. Nobody knows. But if you study your Bible, and I'll put the references, if you study Matthew chapter 24, and you'll study 2 Timothy chapter 3, those two uh, references will give you what's called the signs of the time. Now, you don't need a Bible college degree. You don't need a preacher to explain it to you. All you have to do is open up your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can Google those passages. And just read Matthew chapter 24, and read 2 Timothy chapter 3, and there's a list there of signs that when you see these things happening, you know that it's the season, it's the time, even though we don't know the exact date, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return, and he's going to return soon. 
Now, I think Sooner, and I, I am a Sooner. I'm an Oklahoma Sooner. I've always been a Sooner. I'm an Oklahoma Sooner. I'm, I'm not only an Oklahoma Sooner, I'm a Jesus is coming back Sooner type of a person. Because when I read my Bible, and again, I don't need a professor. I don't need a Bible college degree to understand. If I just open up my Bible and I read Matthew chapter 24, and I read 2 Timothy chapter 3, the return of Christ and returning soon is undeniable. One of the most, of all the signs uh, that, I, that speak to me are the ones in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 and verse 14. Verse 12 says, because of the increase of wickedness. And what that means is that when you look around at the world and you see that there's an increase of wickedness, that's one of the signs. And I, I, I believe that you, you, some of you think it's the coronavirus. Is, I, what I think is the increase of wickedness. And right now in our state, because of the virus and because of those who are in charge, you can go to a liquor store, you can go to a marijuana shop, you can go get an abortion, uh, you can go down to Home Depot, it's, crowd, it's wall-to-wall people. The parking, there's no place to park, there's so many people. Go to Walmart, wall-to-wall people. They, this week, they opened up the casinos. You can now go to the casinos, it's okay. If you wanna go to the casino, go to the casino. But they've shut down the churches. To me, that's an increase of wickedness. To, to me, it does, it's not, maybe not to you. But as you just look around at all the people that live here and the sinful lives that we live, and, and if you watch television or you look at any movie, we're living in that day and age where there's an increase of wickedness. And when you see that, you know that the end is near. The next verse here in verse 14 says, and when you see the gospel, the gospel, that's, that's when you hear the gospel message of, of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, when you see that the gospel of the kingdom is being preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, when you see the gospel being preached around the world, you'll know that the end is about here. And what I think, and this is just me, you know, the internet, because of the internet, you know, 40 years ago, there was no internet. 50 years ago, there was no internet. The only way the gospel could get around the world is if you walked, if you traveled, took a boat, took a plane. But now because of the internet, what I'm saying right now is being transmitted all around the world. Now I want you to think about something. Uh, several months ago, before the churches were shut down, there were some churches that were online, but not all churches. Now, we are here at Shepherd because we, we believe in using that technology to the glory of God. Can someone say amen? But today, because of the coronavirus and because every church has been shut, churches and synagogues all around the world, this is not just in the United States, this is in the entire world, churches and pastors have been forced to put our messages online and on the internet. And so... Because of that, again, what, what the devil causes for harm, God can turn it into the good. There are more sermons being preached on the internet 
and around the entire globe because of the coronavirus than ever before. There are more people hearing the gospel than in any other period in the history of the world. And the Bible says that when you see the increase of wickedness, and when you see the gospel being preached around the world, a testimony to all nations and to all people that the end is near. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I, I want you to know uh, that the question is, are you ready? That, that, that's the question, is are you ready? And if you're not ready, if you're not ready, you need to wake up. I mean, I mean wake up spiritually and, and be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. J.D. Greer recently wrote these words. He said, I don't think that the coronavirus marks the end of the world, but this world does have an end. And if we ignore that reality, then we are asleep at the will. The coronavirus, as disastrous as it is, it represents God's merciful wake-up call for you and I to get ready. Oh, get ready, get ready, get ready. The Bible says again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, we looked at this verse once, look at it again. But you brothers, everybody say brothers, brothers. That means those of us that are believers, those of us that are Christians, those of us that are, are children of God, we are not in darkness. So that this day, the day of the Lord's return, should surprise us like a thief. In other words, if we're saved, if we're believers, if we're Christians, the return of Jesus Christ should not surprise us. Because as believers, we've read the scriptures. We've looked at the signs. We understand those signs and we believe that the, the return of Jesus Christ is near. I wanna show you this verse over here in Matthew chapter 24. This is that same chapter, but a little bit later on, it says, therefore, everybody say, therefore, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. We don't know the day. We can know the season, but we don't know the day. But understand this, that if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night that the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and he would not, everybody say not, he would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Some of you know that this year, the week of Christmas, it was Christmas week. I mean, the week of Christmas. Uh, I was out studying my wife uh, that evening. She took off and went over to the, the grandchildren's house and when she came back to our house and walked inside, she noticed that some things had been moved around, that there had been someone in our house, and she ran back out to her car, and she called 911. And she called the police, and she said, I think someone broke into our house. And so the police came out, and they, said, they told her, you stay out here in your car, and the police went inside our house and came back out to my wife and said, you're right, someone has ransacked your house. Now, exactly like this says, if we had known at what time the thief was coming, we would have not have let 
uh, that house be broken into. I, I, I don't know what, I would have done something. I, I would have called Pastor Tim. You know, he's working on his black belt. I said, Tim, I need you to go in there with your black belt skills and take out these criminals. No, I don't think Tim's doing black belt, but I would have called somebody. I would have been prepared had I known the thief was coming. But because we weren't prepared, the thieves came and the thieves stole. And in the same way, the Bible says, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Listen, one day, one day, one of two things are going to happen. One, either the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return, or two, you're going to die one day. And the only thing that will matter when one of those two things happen, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns or when you die, the only thing that will matter at that moment is are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Two weeks ago, I was here and I got word that within a 24-hour window that three people in this church passed from this life into the next. I got the word, the text, all within a 24-hour window. First was Norma Crippen. I love this woman. She's as sweet and as kind as she looks in this beautiful picture of her. She was in her 80s. I don't know of anybody in this entire church, and I know a lot of people, but I don't know of another person that ever invited as many people to this church as Norma. She would walk into any restaurant, any store. She went to one of her uh, medical appointments, and she would scope out the room looking for someone to invite to this church. And I always think how big the church would be if everybody was like Norma. I also think how small the church would be if it wasn't for people like Norma. But Norma was in her 80s, and her heart gave out, and she'd been suffering some, some physical ailments, but she passed from this life into the next. And then that same day, I heard about this two-year little old girl. Her name was Eva. And uh, Eva is as sweet as she looks right there, but Eva was born with some serious medical issues, and uh, she'd been fighting and battling against all odds. She had just turned a corner for the better. She was doing better. And I believe on May 8th, her little heart just gave out, and she passed from this life into the next. And then we have a man in this church. He's actually on our staff. Uh, this is Lloyd and Larky, and Lloyd is on our pastoral staff. And again, this all took place like on the same day. Lloyd was an uh, incredible person and was riding his bike. He was about four blocks from his house. He was on his way home. He had a helmet on. He didn't get run over by a car, but something happened, and he hit something, and he fell over. And just the way that he hit, within a few hours, uh, he was taken from this life into the next. All three of these people, all three of them, were here a couple of weeks ago. And today, all three of them are with Jesus. All three of them are in heaven here today. And I, I show you that just, just so you know that so many of us right now, right now, we're so worried about uh, COVID-19 and we're fearful. And, and that's fine if you're all worried 
and, 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 and that's the way it is, but I want you to know that COVID-19 is not your biggest threat. That any of us, any of us, ask Norma, ask Eva, ask Fran, any of us at any time can pass from this life to the next or the Lord Jesus Christ can just return. And again, the only thing that matters at that time is, are you saved? Are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus Christ? I pray, I pray, I pray that COVID-19 does not come to your family. I pray that it does not come to your household in Jesus' name. I pray that you live to be 970 years old, that you live one year longer than Methuselah. So in the Bible, we got to put an asterisk that there's one more person that's not in here that's lived actually longer than Methuselah. I pray that for you. But the most pressing issue that each of us face today is that question, do we know Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6 says, so then, let us not be like the others who are asleep. There's a lot of people asleep at the wheel right now. But let us, you and I, as believers, let us be alert and self-controlled. Verse 8 says, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith, love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Each and every person who's watching right now, you need to make sure more than anything else, not that you have a mask, not that you have hand sanitizer, and I hope you have it, but what you need a million times more than that is to make sure that in your heart that you have opened up that heart and you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've invited him in to be your king and your ruler and your Lord. If you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ. If you've never confessed Jesus to be your Lord, you need to make that confession today. Before you turn this off and before you leave the room or the car that you're listing right now, before you turn all this off, you need to take a moment, get down on your knees, and look up to heaven and just say, Lord Jesus Christ, would you please Come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, and make a decision today to pay, put your faith and your trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone. That is your greatest need today. This December will mark the 79th anniversary of that fateful day of infamy, December 7, 1941, where the USS Arizona and a thousand of her crew were caught off guard by that Japanese attack. Had they truly been awake, had they truly been paying attention, they would have survived that day. As you go over to Pearl Harbor, you'll see that that ship, the USS Arizona, is completely submerged underwater. They never went in and took out those thousand soldiers. The, they left them in there, those sailors, they left them in there. You can take a tour, you get in this boat right here, and you sail across the bay, and they dock right here, and you get off the boat, and you go inside this memorial that's built over it, and you're actually on top 
of the USS Arizona. A thousand men perished on that fateful day. And still today, 79 years after this ship sunk, as you're inside this memorial, there's windows. You can look out the windows. And as you look out from deep underneath the water, there are little drops of oil that are still coming up from that ship. They almost look like tears. It's a little drop of oil that comes up. It, it, it turns into a little color and, 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 and kind of spreads out there. But still today, there's little drop drop, drop of oil coming up out of that ship as a reminder of that day and the men who lost their lives, that battle, that day of infamy, and it's a reminder, it's a reminder that we weren't ready, that we were sleeping, that we were unprepared. Listen, I want everybody here just to wake up you got to wake up. I, I want you, before you leave the room that you're in, before you leave, I want you, uh, just, just, you're going to do this for me because I'm asking, before you leave, I just want you to have a discussion. Look to the person on your left or the person on your right. Have a discussion and make sure that everyone in that household is saved today because you never know what's going to happen today. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, I want you to write this down quickly. Jesus is coming back. Number one, he's coming back surprisingly. He's going to catch a lot of people off guard. It's going to be a wake up. I didn't know. I didn't know. How come no one warned me? How come no one told me? I just can't believe this is happening. What's going on? It's just going to catch people by a total surprise. But he's going to come back surprisingly. Number two, he's coming back surely. He's coming back. Don't you think for one minute that he's not coming back. He's coming back. And number three, He's coming back soon. I just want to ask you, when was the last time that you went to sleep, and when you went to sleep, the last thing you thought of was this could be the night that Jesus Christ returns? And when was the last time that you woke up and you said the words, this could be the day that Jesus Christ returns? Let's bow our heads for just a word of prayer. Father God, I ask your blessing on every listener, every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. And Lord, I would pray that if there's anybody who's listening that has never made a decision for Jesus Christ, they've never accepted his atonement on the cross for their sins, they've never named him and confessed him to be their Lord, I pray that today that they would say that prayer of confession, help them to text Jesus to the number on that screen so that we can follow up with them. But I pray, Father, that every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl, that we will live our lives in such a way that if Jesus Christ returned this very moment, that we would not be surprised. That if Jesus Christ returned right now, or if something, it might be the COVID-19, it could be one of a thousand other things that we pass from this life to the next, that, that moment, God, that we are prepared to meet our Lord and our Creator, our Savior, our Messiah. God, help us to have an honest, an honest discussion with those around us and bring us back safely next week, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen.